to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. This month, of all things, we're talking about anxiety a bit. Not, not that we don't have anything to be anxious about in the world today, right? So I chose this book called Zen in the Age of Anxiety to help us work through this a bit. The author is Tim Burkett, and his thesis statement is that awareness is curative, that when we're aware of some of the things that are really causing us to feel this way, to feel the anxiety welling up in us, that that's the correct position to do something about it. Then we have the information that we need to move through it for in, in more of that Zen spirit, in that, that more available just to take things as they come. Well, you'll remember last week uh, we started out with a couple things that are anxiety producing. One is simply believing that we're unworthy, believing that we're not up to snuff, or believing that somehow we're not smart enough, we're not lovable enough, not capable enough, those things that often come about in childhood and, and somehow we just never ha- manage to let go of it. Great cause of anxiety. And then the other one is the thought that somehow we're holding on to negative events in the past and we're imagining that that's predictive of the future. And we talked a little bit about brain science, if you'll remember, right? That it's six times easier for us to remember something negative in the past than something positive in the past. So that when we think that our past is a predictive, we're way more apt to think then the future's gonna be bad because we're remembering some of the anxious moments from our past. And of course, the antidote to all of this was awareness, right? When, when anxiety comes into us, we can, we can breathe through it. We know that it's just a feeling and not something real. You'll remember I introduced uh, Ugg uh, back at the uh, dawn of civilization, our, our early ancestors, where it really did make a difference. We really needed to be on edge when we were out surveying the savanna for that flight or fight response. The anxiety was useful, uh, but then we fast forwarded today and right, not so very useful. We're not apt to run into the saber-toothed tiger when the phone rings anymore, but, but that same emotional trigger can be there. The same shortening of breath, the same adrenaline and cortisols moving through our body might make you feel like it's a life or death situation. So, so the antidote again, right? We breathe, we consider, now wait a minute, I'm not really going to die if the boss chews me out. She's not a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really going to be okay here. There's no worry. Let me just, let me just allow the feelings to pass through me. Allow me to reason with myself. Allow me to comfort myself. I do not have to think that because something bad happened in the past, I'm remembering that my brain works the way my brain does. So I'm going to give myself a break, and maybe I'll worry in a positive way. What if it all goes right? What if I am the luckiest person on the planet, right? We have the capability of actually positively worrying, you know, right? What if I get the raise? What if I get an even better job? What, what if my kids pass all their tests and so on? Why use negative information from the past? 
when we can choose to remember some of the positive experiences and know that they can be our path into the future. Well, today I'm going to talk, first of all, about another source of anxiety. But don't worry, we'll get through it together, I promise. And it's a real simple one. It's the fear of failure. And I think where I'd like to start with this, if you don't mind, is back with our friend Ugg at the dawn of civilization. So Ugg and the other members of his tribe are having a high council meeting. They have noticed that the game that was so plentiful over the last six months is dwindling. So the scouts, of whom last Sunday Ugg was a a member of the scouting party, they're not finding the antelope that were so plentiful. They're not finding any of the other small animals that make up the bulk of their diet in as great a numbers as they have been before. And so the tribe has come together to talk about this issue. Now, I got to tell you, this is not polite dinner conversation. It's not the difference between whether we go to Safeway or Albertsons. This kind of decision is life or death. For one thing, a number of the tribe members are pregnant. For another thing, some of the elders of the tribe are maybe not able to travel long distances anymore. If we have to uproot the tribe and move somewhere where game is more plentiful and find water, it is likely, it is likely that some of the members of our extended family will not be able to make that trip. And at the same time, if we stay where we are, as pleasant as the environment is, it seems unlikely that we will have enough food to go through the winter. Can you imagine what a conversation like this would be? Can you, I mean, really, like I say, this is not polite dinner conversation because this is life or death. This isn't that our favorite restaurant closed down. And there's no means. This is the dawn of civilization. We can't stock up the freezer for the winter. This is why at the dawn of civilization, anxiety was actually useful. We knew that our decisions were life and death because they were. We had to get serious about what we were going to do for the good of ourselves, and it was super important. Okay, well, let's leave Ugg behind for a minute. Uh, Let's fast forward, uh, what, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand years, and I'll cover my joke today, which also is about anxiety. So Mark is about to go out on his first date. He's extremely worried about what to say to his young lady friend, Sandra. So he asks his dad for advice. Does that actually ever happen anymore? (laughs) Probably not, but play play along with me. So his dad answers, Mark, there are three subjects that always work when you're dating. Remember them, they will be your friends. They are discussions around food, family, and philosophy. So Mark calls for his girlfriend and they go to a local pub. Drinks are sitting out in front of them. They stare at each other for a long period of time. Nobody's talking. Mark becomes anxious. It seems like he can barely breathe. Then he recalls his dad's advice and chooses the first subject. He asks Sandra, do you like pretzels? (laughs) No, she says. 
and an uncomfortable silence ensues. After a few more anxious minutes, the boy thinks of his dad's second suggest and asks, Sandra, do you have a sister? And the girl answers, no. And silence once more descends. Mark begins to sweat. Fear is imminent. Then he remembers the last prompt from his dad, so he asks the last question, so hopefully, the question that his entire future might depend on, the question of a lifetime. If you had a sister, would she like pretzels? (laughs) Think a minute. I know some of us are well past our teenage years, But do you remember how anxious it was the first few times you went out on a date or or if you were trying out for uh, the football team or something like that, the pit in your stomach of, of anticipating what? Not success, but what would happen if you failed? What if I didn't make the tryout for choir? Actually, I didn't make the cry out for choir. And I got to tell you, it felt like death. It's because those same things that existed with UG back at the dawn of civilization, those same chemicals are in our body, those same thought processes exist in us. And we are born to fear this thing that we humans call failure. And despite our best efforts with that anxiety coursing through us, it often will feel like this is a life or death situation. That if I make the wrong decision, if I say the wrong thing in the job interview, if I say the wrong thing to someone I'm dating, if I, if I do the wrong thing with regards to my neighbor and building the fence between our houses and so on and so forth, that if I get those wrong, my life depends on it. Now, this uh, in itself might be bad enough. It does prompt us to do awkward things, right? It prompts us not to say anything (laughs) for fear of getting it wrong. It prompts us to take the easy path that doesn't perhaps put us in a position of controversy or things like that. But I will tell you, an even more dramatic thing is it always will cause us to what? To play it safe, it will cause us to never go beyond what we've already accomplished today. Do you want a life of no progress? That's what fear of failure will do to you. You will have a life with zero progress. With progress, you have to assume some risk. I'm going to say that one more time. To achieve progress, you have to assume some risk. And risk will feel like death. I don't know how to say it in a more chipper way than that. When you are making that risk, the fear of failure is apt to make you feel like the stakes are way higher than what they are. And so that's the first solution to anxiety around the fear of failure, is simply acknowledging that, wait a minute, 
this is actually, in the scheme of things, no big deal. If I don't get this job, there will be another one, right? I'm not going to starve this winter. <laughs> it's not ugh at the dawn of civilization. If I don't get this job, if I appear an idiot on my date, right? If, if I say the wrong things to my new mother-in-law or the, or, or the person at the fence where we're arguing a bit about whether it should be one of those two-sided fences or one of those one-sided fences, right? It's like tempers flare and tempers fade. This is not life or death. So first of all, we can use some of the advice from last week, right? Let's breathe through it. Let's make sure that we allow ourselves to go ahead and feel the feeling and just acknowledge it. Oh my gosh, yeah, that is my heart beating. I know it's that adrenaline going through me. And what I know is I'm not going to die. This isn't life or death. I'll make a choice. It's a little bit risky. And so what if this time the risk doesn't go the way that I actually choose it to? Do I have to think of it even as a failure? Or is it just one of the steps of progression? Which leads me to the second thing that I want to talk about. You know, failure sounds pretty ominous because back at the dawn of civilization it was a fairly small miscalculation could have serious consequences. These days, though, need we even use the F word? Does failure need to be part of our vocabulary, or can we simply think of it, no, this is progression towards my goals, and there will be missteps. What if we can be fearless in our so-called failure? What if we can take steps towards our goals, towards our dreams, and actually anticipate that I will do some things wrong and be happy with it? Now you might say, well, why would you be happy with it? Well, it's teaching me some of the things that I don't need to worry about anymore, right? It's teaching me how to navigate through the difficult areas of modern society. Well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. Maybe I need to study a little more on this subject so that I'm better prepared for that job interview. Going into it cold and not even researching the company, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Maybe my enthusiasm was wonderful, but my knowledge going in wasn't quite what it should be that's okay. Next time, I'll be super prepared. Do you see how not looking at it as a failure, but rather looking at it as one of the stepping stones, one of the processes at really getting good at something? Could we celebrate a so-called failure? Could we see it as part of the progression towards our greatness? I'd like to try one other thing out on you before we move on, think of a time in your life where you really felt proud of yourself, when you achieved something that was extraordinary. You know, we're going to be celebrating one of our licensed practitioners, Kate Barrett, here, and she's been in service to this community for over 20 years. Now, that kind of achievement was not like an on and off switch. It wasn't success or failure. 
you might be putting Kate on the spot later. I don't know. But what I am imagining is during those 20 years, there were times when it was probably very hard to be in service here. Conflicts at home, conflicts with work. There may have been ministers she didn't care for, right? There may have been other practitioners that presented problems to her or students or, or clients that were difficult. There would have been times when an outsider might have looked in and said, oh my gosh, Kate is really not doing what she needs to do right now. Or the environment is not really supporting Kate in what she needs to do right now. But what I know about Kate is that she's in her ministry for the long haul. It can outlast senior ministers. It can outlast certain classes. It can outlast different clients. And that is because she does not see her life as a moment-to-moment success or failure. She sees her goal of service to the community. And everything along the way is just something along the way. So I'm going to close today, of course, with a, some homework out of the book. But I would like you to consider again that that success that you have, what I know is if you're picturing in your mind a particular success, a particular achievement, there were risks that went with it. Our achievements were based on us doing something that was a stretch, us doing something that was part of a bigger vision. It was us doing something either out of the ordinary or that had a little risk associated with it. And there may have been times when that risk brought up some temporary failures. And yet we persist. And yet that dream of the future, that dream of service, that dream of love or or activity or a certain job or a certain way of living, those thoughts, those dreams, when they persist and guide us through, then it doesn't feel like interim failures at all. Maybe even the word setback is too strong because is it really a a setback or is it just a a sideways step? Just a, a step to the side while I reaffirm what my goal is, while I reaffirm what my dream is, while I understand that I am powerful and capable. Yes, my heart may be racing when the telephone calls and I'm worried that it's my boss letting me know that I didn't get what I was hoping for, right? We we notice the adrenaline. Yes, there's anxiety. Yes, all of that. But what I know is I have a goal here that goes well beyond these interim feelings of loss or pain or terror. It may feel like death, but it's actually life. It's the presentation of life, that edginess that we're willing to put on to make progress, to achieve that goal, to have 20 years of service to a spiritual community. These are the commitments we make to ourselves. This is the faith that we have in spirit moving through us. All right, on to some homework here. And I know you always look forward to the homework that I assign you. Or at least I, at least I tell myself that. Uh, so this homework is right out of the book, Zen in the Age of Anxiety. And he's offering this as some work that we might manage this week. He says, think about something that you're trying to do well. And notice how you're talking to yourself about it. 
So you're trying to do something well, maybe something difficult, maybe on the edge of your capabilities. You want to make a good impression. You want to do a good job. He says, notice the labels that you use to judge your performance. Are you harsh on yourself? Are you being a perfectionist? Are you apt to consider, yeah, some of you, some of you are actively going to avoid this homework, I know. <laughs> but as you are thinking about your performance in this activity that you want to do well, try replacing the labels with this question. Instead of labeling myself, oh, I'm just a failure at this, I'm not smart enough, or whatever it is, ask this question, am I making my best effort? Am I making my best effort? Simply replace those feelings of not good enough, of not enough effort, of failure. Just replace them with the question, am I making my best effort? And that's your homework for this week. All right, uh, let's do a quick prayer. So there is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. What I know about this one thing is that it is always a celebration of success. In God's mind, there is success and only success. Anything that is less than success is something that we humans have dreamed up. It is only a word, and I put that word, that F word aside knowing that the truth is I'm a work in progress. And sometimes this progress is an upward trend, sometimes it's a sideways trend, but I know that my vision of a future, the future where there's a world that works for everyone, my, my future of personal empowerment, my future of love and life and capability is mine to have and to hold always. And even when it doesn't feel that way, I know that feelings change that I can allow the feelings to pass through me, allow that fear to dissipate, and it is replaced by faith in myself and faith in spirit. As it is true for me, I know it is true without question for all of us. All of us may have those ugh moments, and yet each one of us can see beyond that momentary anxiety and fear into the life of our dreams. And for this, I give great thanks I let it be, and so it is. So thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you to take your tithe or your gift in your hand. Those of you online, please consider going to our website, cslportland.org slash donate. We so graciously receive your gifts. If you'd like, you can repeat after me, graciously I give, graciously I give. from a place of love. Knowing that, as I give, Knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. Would the ushers please begin receiving the gifts? We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically 
for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.